When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Wolverine.com podcast. Uh, we're doing the, the video edition as uh, is our habit these days. And we're welcoming in someone who is at the uh, center of a whole lot of exciting action these days. Brian Bush, who is your radio play-by-play man for Michigan basketball. Brian, tough one yesterday. Michigan uh, cuts a 15-point deficit down to two and has a chance against Illinois at home, and then it just slips away at the end. Welcome back, first of all, and uh, give us your thoughts on what happened. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me as always, John. Uh, You know, it it felt like that team was just very much uh, scratching and clawing and doing everything that it could just to get back in the game. And then when it got close, it was really tough for it to get over the hump and, and actually take a lead and have a chance to win the game. And, you know, on that end, you credit Illinois. I mean, how many times do you see a team shoot 71% in a half, let alone a second half on the road against a good team in the league? I mean, that's just remarkable. And they did it pretty differently first half to second half with Alfonso Plummer taking over in the first half. Kofi Coburn was great in the second half. Uh, Andre Curbelo might have had his best half of the Big Ten slate. He's really kind of had a lost season for Illinois. Um, so, you know, you tip your cap to them and, and you know, you realize if you're Michigan that, uh, you know, hey, there are some adjustments to be made. But I do think that there is some optimism in that, you know, when they needed to find some shots, they needed to create for themselves when you, you had some must score possessions they were able to score. Now they just need to, to try to figure out some more things defensively against uh, a type of team like Illinois, where, you know, if you want to, if you want to have designs of getting into the second weekend and beyond in March, uh, you're going to have to face some teams that are loaded like Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, against Illinois, you're going to be, you're going to have your hands full with uh, Kofi Coburn, but you don't necessarily know that uh, Alfonso Plummer is going to come out of uh, nowhere and, drop six threes on you that really led to that big deficit and it's such a climb back for Michigan you've got uh Devonte Jones scoring big uh, 10 assists a really big basketball game for him um and yet with Eli Brooks I we we heard that you know he may play he may not play uh it, it sounded like he was set back a little bit yeah, I don't know too much about how, how that situation played out, but obviously when he's out there, you know, the expectations remain the same. And, and you know, I think Eli would tell you that. Um, and, and, you know, the reality is, I mean, Eli has never been wanting to be a primary scorer. He has that ability. 
Um, and, and he had his hands full defensively on a, on a few different guys. And, and that's been the case, you know, drawing Johnny Davis in Madison last weekend. And, and I mean, he's, you know, he's had to go up against some of these teams, best scores. And obviously he's giving up the size advantage against a lot of them. So uh, for me, I mean, you know, what Devonte Jones has done as of late, it kind of started in that first game at Illinois, if you recall, where Michigan was shorthanded, they played their tails off and, and just didn't have the horses in that game. They did. Uh, on Sunday here at Chrysler Center, they had the horses. They just they weren't able to get it done, and, and you tip your cap to Illinois in that regard. But I, I do think that you know the evolution of Devontae Jones has been you know really fun to watch. I mean, he you know what do he have eight or nine field goal makes and then ten assists. I mean, he created uh, you know was directly involved in what more than two thirds of Michigan's field goal makes in the game. So. Uh, he's rounding into form. I know it probably took a little bit longer than people expected, but if you were told at the start of the year that this is the type of Devontae Jones you were going to get at the start of the season, uh, then, then those expectations would have been pretty high because, I mean, he's he's been playing at a, a much above a replacement-level Big Ten point guard for a while now. Right, and uh, you also look at uh, Caleb Houston, who has had a couple of very strong games of late, 21 uh, against Illinois. It looks like he's more comfortable shooting the, the basketball. And they needed that on a tough day for uh, Hunter Dickinson, who was four for 13. That's a it's a tough matchup the way uh, Illinois was playing him. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's that's really one team that Hunter Dickinson hasn't quite been able to figure out. And it's only two games. I mean, I, I think I think if you ask those Michigan players, they'd love to see Illinois in the uh, in the Big Ten tournament, if they can get to that point, we'll see how the bracket shakes out. Uh, but you know, with Caleb, we've seen this at home from him. He's had some big home games. I thought that three where he kind of double clutched in the right corner in the second half, when I don't even know if he really truly wanted to shoot it, but he did, and then he made it. That was to me a step forward because I mean, this is a guy who's got the touch, he's got the fundamentals, he's got the ability. Uh, it was a matter of putting it all together and back-to-back big-time performances. Uh, the, the question will be, can he do that at Ohio State to end the regular season, in the Big Ten tournament, in the NCAA tournament, if Michigan's able to get there? Because that's where it really counts. That's where it really matters and where you know his his legacy at Michigan will be, will be defined. Uh, it has been a, a certainly a, a unique road to get to this point, but uh, he just elevates so much of what Michigan can do because – he is their best three-point threat, and he really is their only three-point threat that that really, truly, if he's going, terrifies opponents. We know that other guys can make it, but if Caleb Houston is hitting the way that we all know he's capable and that he has shown uh, in snippets this season, then that really, I think, opens up a lot of things. And it, it, it allows Michigan to not be so reliant on a Hunter Dickinson where, you know, when you're behind, it is tough to run through Hunter. Because you you know you're trying to get possessions going quickly, uh, you want to try to you know hit your fair share of threes. A hunter can do that, but it's a little bit more difficult when you're trying to make up ground. Caleb Houston's game very much lends itself to that style of play. Yeah, no doubt. So now you have to very quickly turn the page because on uh, tomorrow you've got Michigan State, uh, which recorded earlier in the season what uh, what I would consider a, a uh, very strong victory for them over Michigan. Uh, since they have been in somewhat of a tailspin, I believe they'd lost five of six 
before what I would consider a uh, a Breslin ball victory over Purdue. Um, but Tom Izzo and the Spartans, this is the time of year they take a lot of pride in. As we know, they're going to come tr- down to Chrysler Arena, try to steal one. Give us your thoughts on that matchup. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that first meeting between these two teams, you saw the benefit of, of a home game for the role players. Uh, and you saw it again with A.J. Hogard against, uh, in particular, against Purdue on Saturday. I mean, uh, those players tend to rise up at the Breslin Center and, you know, give them credit for that. We'll see if that's the same on Tuesday night. I'm, I'm curious what the crowd will look like because it went from a weekend game in January to a Tuesday night game during spring break. So that, to me, is an interesting storyline. Um, And also remember, you know, last season, Michigan played Michigan State in East Lansing final week and final day of the regular season. And and that ultimately was the win that got Michigan State into the NCAA tournament. Now, Michigan cannot just win this game and then lose out. They wouldn't get in, in my opinion. Uh, But this is a chance to jumpstart a big time week where to me, I've, I've maintained that, you know, now where it's at, I think Michigan needs three wins the rest of the season to feel like it's good. And that's not just this week. I don't think they need to go undefeated this week. But if you go two and one this week and then lose in the first round of the Big Ten tournament, it's probably going to come against a team that doesn't have a whole lot of cachet. Um, you're in real trouble and you are depending on all of the favorites to win their to win their conference tournaments. Uh, and you're just going to be sitting there at home for for three long, long days. Uh, but this can be that start. Um, I think Michigan is is playing better right now overall. I think Michigan uh, can and should be favored in this game. But it's a rivalry matchup. Obviously, Michigan is without its head coach. Um, and you're right. I mean, Tom Izzo has been very, very successful in the month of March. It, it, it's time for Michigan to, to come up with a big-time win uh, and start a week where – uh, to me, unless you want to, unless you want to rely on you know a one and done tournament in Indianapolis next week, you got to go two and one to feel like you've got a real chance to to get in without a monster showing in Indianapolis. So uh, if you look at the schedule, you got two games at home. Those are probably the ones you got to get, and Michigan certainly is capable. That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, if you're counting on going two and one, you don't necessarily want to. Uh put a lot of chips on winning in Columbus. You'd rather take care of uh, Michigan State and Iowa this week at home. Uh, As far as Michigan, Michigan State, where do you see, as these teams are playing right now, a possible advantage for the home team? I, I still like the interior matchup for Michigan. Hunter Dickinson against, you know, that that combination. Certainly where Michigan State benefits in that regard is that you don't really have to worry about any sort of foul trouble in the game because you can throw, you know, three different guys at Hunter Dickinson and just kind of mix and match. But to me, this is a Hunter Dickinson game. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of great performances from him. But here's a chance for him to really etch his name in the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry. Because, you know, Michigan-Michigan State have played three times. One was a team accomplishment. It was just a thorough victory to win the Big Ten regular season title, and and Michigan's lost back-to-back. For me, uh, as well as Caleb Houston and Devontae Jones are playing, uh, as much as Eli Brooks means to this program, to me, if you are going to beat Michigan State, I think Hunter Dickinson can and, and would be the the key catalyst to all this. He's a guy who can go out there, put up a 20-point double-double, and, and be the best player on the floor. 
Um, it's not rocket science to say that Hunter Dickinson is, is a key to the game. But to me, this is a game where he can go out there and dominate. Yeah, I, I'm I'm always fascinated by the point guard battle because you know Michigan State has kind of run a platoon and it's it's worked really well. Uh, Devontae Jones is excelling as of late, so that's certainly something to watch. Um, you know, Michigan State has has played. Um, you know, they, they've been inconsistent. You know, uh, I I think that uh, what they did on on Saturday probably helped them feel a little bit better about themselves. Michigan's obviously licking their wounds after a tough loss, so. I think in a rivalry, both teams are desperate, but Michigan certainly is more desperate with the outside context. Uh, and we all know the talking that Hunter Dickinson did leading into this season. He can win this matchup individually. He should win this matchup individually. If he can dominate it, uh, then Michigan should be just fine. And Brian, you touched on the, the crowd aspect. A uh, couple of deficits. You've got spring break. You've got uh, you've had COVID restrictions that uh, are holding might be holding the crowd back somewhat, but if you ever wanted to see a Michigan Michigan State game and get up there and enthusiastically be a part of uh, of what Michigan needs as a uh, as a real home crowd advantage, it would seem like this would be the game. One hundred percent. This is. I mean. You know, it's interesting because when you have the types of seasons that Michigan has had in recent years where there, you know, there isn't a tournament berth on the line, it's it's a different type of situation. Um, you know, the, the reality is a Big Ten championship is great, and that that is certainly a goal that every team in this league sets. Um, and what Michigan did last year, it would have been really, really fun for fans to be a part of that because it was an absolute blast of a team. But this is a different – we haven't seen this since the year that Michigan got into the first four um, back in the middle portion of last decade. It was it 2016, I believe, when they got to the first four uh, where they were playing for their tournament lives. Michigan is very much – I mean, if you look at bracketologists, you're not going to see Michigan much you know, higher or lower than either last four in or first four out. They are right on the bubble. So these regular season games – in the grand scheme of, of everything, we all, you know, if we could all choose Big Ten championship or national championship, I think we all know what we're picking. Michigan's trying to get into the whole thing where you can actually win a national championship. Uh, and these two home games, Tuesday and Thursday, are, they're not requirements. But, man, if you go one and one or even worse, 0 oh and two, you have an uphill climb. But if you go 2 and 0, oh, you really can go into that Ohio State game saying, yes, we'd love to win it, but it is not required. And there's a there's a, there's a a level of uh, calmness to that, I think, to where you know, hey, just get a favorable draw in the Big Ten tournament, win a game or two, and then see your name on Selection Sunday in the round of 64, not in the first four. So uh, I know this hasn't been the season that people have expected from this team, but these two games – are unlike most that we've seen in Chrysler Center in recent years because they will directly be involved in what happened for Michigan in 13 days on Selection Sunday. And to me, there's there's something that we can all embrace about that while understanding that, yeah, a team that started number six in the nation uh, fighting for a tournament berth isn't great for the long term. Hey, there's nothing you can do about that now. Go get a couple of wins at home, and, and, and the fans can definitely be a big part of that.
Absolutely. And terrific observations. One of the other things that nobody expected at this point in the season is to look at the Michigan sideline and see uh, Phil Martelli calling the shots and see uh, Saudi Washington and Howard Isley being the, the, the guys you knew that they were going to be there as assistants, but uh, stepping up in the absence of Juwan Howard. And I can't help but think as I watch these games, these last games play out, uh, about Jawan and the passion that he feels and the investment that he has with this team and how it has to really, really hurt him uh, inside as he is uh, sideline watching these games. Your thoughts on the whole uh, coaching situation at this point, the job that these guys are, are doing and, uh, and how tough this must be for the head coach. Yeah, I mean, you know, you said it. Uh, this is this is a, a a man who has been at this program for three years, and and now he will be a part of three very unique marches. Uh, his first year, everything ended. Didn't get a chance with a veteran laden team that I, I think had a chance to make a run in the Big Ten in the NCAA tournaments. Then last year, amazing season, but no fans. Uh, this year, he will miss the first three games of March. He will miss the last two games of February. Um, listen, he made a mistake and he paid for it and he, he deserved to pay for it. Um, I think anyone who was around this program would say the same, but what also has helped is that he has throughout his time here empowered the coaching staff, empowered the players to have a voice, to talk, to share their beliefs, their thoughts, their game plans. And that's where this is coming through now. It remains to be seen if it will be a successful run. If Michigan can go two and one or three and zero this week, then that's great. If not, yeah, there'll be the questions of well, what would have happened had Coach Howard been on the sidelines for those five games? But uh, this is a situation that Michigan has been indirectly preparing for because they have said this is one through seventeen, or I guess one through sixteen now. Uh, this is the entire coaching staff. Anyone around the program has the ability to speak up. And because of that, individuals are prepared for these situations. And, you know, Phil Martelli, he, I've said it all week, he's the best backup quarterback in the NFL. You know, to have that type of head coaching experience for this situation and this program is a luxury that I don't think anyone else in college basketball enjoys. Uh, so to have that is huge. You know, Saudi Washington and Howard Isley, have, I've always been so impressed with what they bring to the table uh, and, and Chris Hunter, too, getting the chance of the third assistant, the former Wolverine, who's put in so much work behind the scenes. I mean, this is this is a guy who was helping the team get back to Ann Arbor from Iowa on Friday morning because we couldn't get in because of the snow. And two days later, he's, he's helping with game plans because he's the third assistant. Uh, I'm happy for him, even though it's not the way you want that type of opportunity to present itself. So, uh, you know, for me, it's been it's been interesting to watch. Uh, you, you're glad to see that, that Coach Howard will be back for the postseason. Uh, but, you know, this is something that the way he's run his program has allowed the rest of the staff to be at least understanding of the position and the responsibility that they're in. This is new. This is different. This is expanded for all of them. But they would be less prepared in a lot of other programs compared to what they, what they did and how they handled their business when Coach Howard was around. There's no question about it. And great observations, Brian Bush, Michigan Radio play-by-play -play man for basketball. Uh, and as you said, if you had to turn it over to 
uh, a guy that is not going to blink, not going to flinch in this situation. Phil Martelli is your guy. We'll see what he and uh, the assistant coaches and all of the Wolverines do against Michigan State tomorrow night. Uh, Brian, thanks so much for being with us, and we will continue to speak with you throughout uh, whatever is left of Michigan season, and what they do this week may have a whole lot to do with that.